0: All right. Glad you're with us. Uh, We're going to have some good news in the course of this program today. A case that we have followed for six years. And that being uh, Army Lieutenant Clint Lawrence has been freed and he's going to stop by in studio with his attorney. I mean, this all goes back to the insanity. We send kids to fight, bleed and be willing to die. And then we put rules of engagement on them during the Obama years, basically handcuffs. You can't shoot unless you're shot at first, even though uh, you're fighting a Taliban. You're in their territory. Uh, It is the most unbelievable, unjust uh, system I've ever seen. And thankfully, the president, just like in the Christian Saussier case, is getting involved um, because this kid spent six years in jail he just took over a platoon that had already been attacked by, by Taliban guys on motorcycles, which was their M.O. And because he had to make a split second decision, they wanted to make an example out of him because they didn't fire first. Oh, we we're supposed to wait till we're bleeding and dying and then we can fight back. That is insane. We can't fight wars that way ever again. And if that's the way they're going to fight him, then there's only one alternative. And that's the Hannity method. And that is the next generation of weaponry we should be fighting any conflict any battle any war offensive and defensive weapons that we ought to be building out uh meaning that we fight our Wars from Tampa pushing buttons and you know what that means but I don't have any questions about sending you know platoon leaders to jail for six years for nothing unbelievable case uh glad you're with us um I'm watching everything that's coming up. I have some very anecdotal information that I want to tell you about. I am watching two realities like an alter reality show going on. You've got this bubble known as the Democratic Party media mob. and, And this is now a mob, full on mob mentality. There is zero concern about the disgusting hypocrisy. There is. They they have bifurcated their brains in two. They have literally shut down their reason, their intellect, their common sense, to ignore the real quid pro quo and Joe Biden, the real shakedown, the real uh, attempted bribery, even. Uh, yeah, well, you're not getting the billion unless you fire the prosecutor. My son's making millions with no zero experience. None at all. I mean, it's unbelievable. You have to just ignore all of that. You have to ignore the Ukrainian president and foreign minister saying again and again and again. We felt no pressure. Call was fine. You have to ignore that not one time on either of the phone calls because we have the transcript did the president ever mention aid and the one open ended question that was made by this guy Sondland? Well, what do you well, what would you like, Mr. President, in exchange for, you know, them getting the aid? He said nothing. I want him to to do what they said. This guy said he was going to do. And that is all the corruption in Ukraine that we now know existed needs to stop. That was his big ask. That was it. And that is faithfully executing the the laws of the land. That's what he's supposed to do. That's what presidents do. That's what their sworn oath is supposed to be all about. So you're asking yourself, well, how how did we possibly get here? How do we have witness after witness after witness? There is zero substance. There are zero facts. There is no firsthand knowledge of anything And, of course, you know, forget we we just accept that there's no due process. And you got the compromised, corrupt, congenital liar, Adam Schiff, in rare form, doing what it is he does. And that's shutting down anybody that that would have a reasonable point to make. You know, I I, I go back and I'm watching this Yovanovitch and and the media reaction to this is so outrageous. What happened with this? I'm like, what is outrageous about it? There's not, she was a holdover ambassador and, uh, unfortunately for her, maybe she doesn't like it, but the prosecutor general of Ukraine is on an interview saying that she handed, uh, over uh, names of people that she didn't want prosecuted. That's not my fault that we had once reported that basically that's all I've known about the woman until now. Now I know a lot about her, but she like the witnesses the day before, uh, she sees no wrongdoing, knows of no wrongdoing, has no direct evidence of any misconduct whatsoever, has no contact with the president whatsoever, no contact with anybody near the president whatsoever. If she had any, any knowledge of anything alleged by Democrats, she was clear in the beginning saying, nope, I don't. Know. So it goes right to Devin Nunes's question. Why the hell is she even there? She can't provide firsthand knowledge about the president's call. You know, she's her. Her first knowledge of it is when did you first learn about the contents of the July 25th call with President Trump, President Zelensky? Quote, the day it was made public. Well, what is this? How are we at this point talking about impeaching a president over that and then just getting into more hearsay evidence about. Uh the discussion of AY I assume because so-and-so told me this, his cousin, his brother's son's grandfather's nephew's long-distant third cousin said that that doesn't hold up anywhere. She she had testified in her prior hearing. She was unaware. What what is it of any of the stuff that was going on? You know, and how many of how many of these officials have to warn around about Barisma holdings? And the Bidens, and and it just gets, it just disappears. It lies, hearsay, nonsense. And I'm watching, you know, all of this unfold all over these cable networks. And I cannot believe that this is where they want to take the country. Over nothing. And then when you put it and look at it through the prism of who's running this, shift show. And I don't care if it's Kent or Taylor or Yovanovitch. You know, I guess this week we get Volcker and we get Vinman, and then we're going to get uh, uh, Sonder, uh, Sondland is going to be in there. But he's the one guy that can say something. He's the one guy that said he asked the president, what does he want out of this? And he said nothing. No quid pro I don't want a quid pro quo. Actually said that. I, w- I want no quid pro quo. Volker testified he didn't receive any indication of a quid pro quo. How do you take this, run with this, and then turn this into impeachment? The only way you can do that is if you have a psychotic rage and hatred against Donald Trump, and you have an agenda, which is to get him out of office by any means necessary, because that's where they're taking the country. That's what they want to do. And, and you can't not see this through the prism of the compromised, corrupt, congenital liar Schiff claiming for almost three years that he had all of this evidence. It's all there, all the evidence, more than circumstantial evidence of Donald Trump colluding with the Russians. You, know, you have to you know, forget that he has to manufacture the words in the phone call because it didn't give him what he wanted. You know, you have to forget that that's the same idiot, the only person I know, the biggest idiot thinking he's talking to a Russian about, again, colluding with a Russian. Somebody he thinks is Russian, a prankster that is telling him he's got dirt on Donald Trump, compromising materials. What's the nature of the materials? Uh, Naked uh, Trump, naked pictures of naked Trump. Does Vladimir know? He's the only one on tape. This is the guy. I guarantee you, most Americans don't know this, but this and is
1: Sabusova him. Met with Trump uh, in in uh, New York at some point after the 2013 Miss Universe. Uh, yes.
2: Pageant. Absolutely, and she got uh, compromising materials on Trump after their uh, short relations. Okay. And, and what's the nature of what's the a, compromise? What's the nature? Well, there were pictures of naked Trump. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so Putin was made aware uh, of the, the availability of the compromising material? Yes, of course. Uh, Buzova shared those materials with uh, Sobchak, and Sobchak shared those materials with uh, Putin because she's a goddaughter of Putin, and Putin decided to press on Trump. Um, and uh, and the materials
1: that you can provide to the committee or to the FBI, uh, would they corroborate
2: this allegation? Sure, of course. Uh, when they were in Ukraine, we got their conversation by the phone where they discussed those uh, compromising materials. We are ready to provide it to FBI. So but, you, you have recordings of both...
1: Uh, you guys Lusova. get the
0: point. I, that is Schiff. And he thinks he's digging up dirt with Russians on Trump. You can't make this up. But that's how bifurcated your brain has to be to 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 accept this utter madness and hypocrisy. Now, don't forget everything that we're going to see in the next 351 days, all of it, without exception, every single bit of this has to be seen through the prism of how do we get whoever the ultimate Democratic candidate is elected and get rid of Trump. They don't care how they get rid of him. They just know that he has to go because they've decided. The only thing they haven't factored in is how they're going to keep Trump supporters. And this is anecdotally what I, where I was going earlier. How they are going to keep him home? Because the people that Donald Trump that went out and voted for him Now want to vote more for him based on his success and based on what these people are doing to this country and how sick this all has gotten and how dangerous this all is for this country. You know, we'll forget about the lies of, oh, we're going to leak that Donald Trump Jr. colluded with WikiLeaks. More lies, more fake news. We'll forget about all the other lies that they they have been pushing and conspiracy theories and hoax after hoax after hoax. We have to forget that Hunter Biden near zero experience, Ukraine, oil, gas, millions of dollars. It just you just have to forget that his father leverages a billion taxpayer dollars bragging about it. And then say this phone call is is worse. In what way? Somebody explain it to me because it's not in the transcript and it's not going to matter what a hearsay witness says about any of this. You know, they're all simple. Well, the acting said, you know, this these impeachment inquiries, we must have bipartisan support or we're not going to do it. I'm very prayerful about doing this. They're full of crap. And you could just see, you know, we, we send these guys through a closed door audition proce, uh, process. They obviously hate Trump, but they don't know anything. But we'll let them hate Trump publicly now. You know, they won't give equal justice due process to to the president as attorneys like we have in, in past inquiries such as this. They violate their own guidelines. By the way, they're the ones that leaked the name of the non whistleblower, who, by the way, may have. Raise money, which he shouldn't have raised. We'll have to see, won't we? And, you know, redacting from the transcripts, Alexander Chalupa, remember the DNC contractor who went to the Ukrainian embassy as reported by Politico to dig up dirt and collude on behalf of the Clinton campaign. The very thing we've heard for three years is so horrible, so awful. And we'll reject the Republicans' witness requests and have a one-sided Kangaroo court with no due process, no equal justice, nothing. Because we want to impeach Trump. But we can't inquire about Hunter and Joe Biden when you got a real quid pro quo. Billion dollars, fire the prosecutor. No billion, you don't fire him. You got six hours. Really? Zero experience, Hunter. Zero. There's another story about another 14 million dollars Take a look at that and yeah, bring that one in. Hey, I want to tell you, in this connected age in which we live in here, and I'm going to get into the presidential politics side of this, um, we have our pollsters here today. Clint Lawrence is going to join us. Six years we've followed this story. We're looking forward to that. Uh, Congressman uh, Scott Perry has been great on all of these hearings. He's going to check in with us, give us a preview of the, what's coming up this week. I was going to break a blood vessel if I heard one more person... Suggest that the the innocuous tweet. I mean, for Trump, pretty innocuous. Uh, she had no idea, Maria y- Yovanovitch, whatsoever that Donald Trump has said. Yeah, bad news followed her wherever she goes. But no, then the compromise, corrupt shift brings it up in the middle of the hearing. Uh, no, if you want to know what the law says, if you want to look at what real witness intimidation is, that would be threatening that person. With physical harm, making a threat to that person or bribing a witness. Oh, if you fire the guy, you get a billion. If you don't. Well, no, there's too much logic applied to that one or coercing somebody into lying. It is not witness intimidation if somebody defends themselves. But that's what you have to believe. But I this mob mindset mentality, it's like blood in the water. Because they never got what they wanted in 2016 and they never got what they wanted from Mueller. That's it. You know, all and to get there again, you got to ignore the Bidens, which is a big ignore, the big bifurcation, a big compartmentalizing in your brain. Because you can't be or have any intellectual honesty, reason or common sense and not look at that and say that's really bad. You know, but it's been what years of colluding Trump, Russia. When it was they themselves spreading the Russian lies and Russian dossier that Clinton paid for. Now they're accusing the malfeasance in Ukraine. When, yeah, the only ones culpable in that case are Joe and Hunter. I mean, imagine if it was Don Jr. and Vice President Trump. Forget it. Anyway, and then, of course, the non-whistleblower. Whistleblower. Whistleblower. Hearsay whistleblower in the contact with Chip's office. More lies. So Lawrence Jones went down to Joel Olstein's church where Kanye, I guess he did two services yesterday and he has this new CD out. Well, what is that song called? Uh, Jason, you know more than I do use this gospel. And it's a whole CD that he put out and I listen I, and, and it's called Jesus is King. I've been listening to it. It's amazing actually. And so I actually tuned in a little bit, watched some of this and Here's what I like about Kanye West. I know, oh, he's crazy. Oh, and he wears a Make America Great Again uh, hat. Let me let me tell you what I like about this guy that nobody's gonna th- think of. Number one, he he did a couple of things that nobody is really aware of. It was really him and Kim Kardashian that got Alice Marie Johnson free out of jail. She remember the the, the woman, we interviewed her on radio and TV. I mean, she comes out of jail, first time offense. You know, it was basically a life sentence, spends 20, what, two years in jail and in prison. She's developed a ministry and all these Bible studies. She counsels all these kids anyway, because they went and brought that case to the president. He commuted or pardoned Alice Marie Johnson, the right thing to do in her case. You know, she wasn't a threat. To, she's not a threat to society uh, at any point. I think it was way over sentenced uh, for a first time offender. And then they helped when they worked on this criminal justice reform bill, which by the way, uh, everyone promises, but they never get anything done. President got it done. Kanye and Kim Kardashian played a role in that. He goes down to Houston two days early and he stops in a prison and he spends time with the men in prison and time with the women in prison. And I'm looking at videos of that and I see the women in prison, they're all crying. And the guys are like, you know, trying to turn their lives around. Nobody cares about the people in prison. And he went there and he's Kanye West. He doesn't, you know, he gets paid a lot of money to do concerts. And then he puts a, but the thing that really stands out, and I'm, as I've been watching him from a distance, that really, and apparently Lawrence Jones asked him about me and I, they won't tell me what it is. We'll just air it on TV tonight. I don't know why. They won't. They won't tell me what it is. Um, But what I like is, He has the courage to be an original. He has the courage to stand apart from everybody else. He has the courage to say and encourage young kids, uh, you might want to find God considering we live on a planet with universes, within universes, within universes, and it's probably going to help your life out. He cared enough to spend time to get a woman that deserved to be freed from prison free and help change the laws that would also help other people that don't belong in prison after a period of time be set free. and he goes visit g- guys in prison. He doesn't have to do that. Um, and then he doesn't give a flying rip what anybody in Hollywood, any Democrat thinks about what he thinks. And he's an independent thinker. Now, I'm sure there's stuff I disagree with him on, but I like the courage. And there's a lot of groupthink in the world. There's a lot of, Oh, I want to be liked. I can tell you in the field of journalism, if you want to even, which is dead, let's put it this way. In the field of uh, radical, extreme socialist media and politics where those worlds collide, I can tell you you it's like an incestuous relationship. They all talk to each other. They all it's all group think they think I'm nuts. They hate my guts and I couldn't be happier. I don't want to be liked by them because I don't like them. I think they're dishonest. I think they're corrupt. I think they're agenda driven. And I think they're phonies. And I think that they, they actually probably have convinced themselves that they're on a mission from God to undo what we, the smelly Walmart shoppers, did in 2016. I really believe a lot of them think there is a level of elitism and condescension that is, that is wrapped all around this. That it's not just Trump they hate. It's us they hate. It's we, the people they hate, they and what they're not getting and what I'm picking up and I'm talking to a lot of people, Everybody's saying said don't stop. Keep fighting. This is bull. This is a, they're tired of it because it's been three years. You know, now we've got a compromised, corrupt guy like they didn't want to know the origins of the Russian witch hunt, which we're going to get to. I know it's slow. I'm so pissed off. I can't even express how pissed off I am, how slow this is. But anyway, now they don't want to want to even talk about the whistleblower. They said they were going to call the whistleblower, but now they can't because the whistleblower and Schiff's office were coordinating in some capacity. And I don't know what they were communicating with each other, but we need to know. Or the full extent of Ukraine's election meddling. They don't. Nobody cares about foreign election interference. It's amazing. How, how do you bifurcate your brain the way a liberal and the mob and the media? How do they do that? Because I couldn't do that. You have to be that hypocritical and intellectually lazy and dishonest and frankly corrupt. Let's be honest. This is corrupt. This is just propaganda at this point. Then you have to just like bifurcate your brain on Hunter and Joe. OK, real quid pro quo. Fire the guy, you get a billion. You're not getting the money unless you fire the guy. Uh, you got six hours zero zero experience millions of dollars that's what you get you know and so what do we have with the president we have two now not one mention of any aid president ran on on very heavy skepticism of foreign aid and foreign corruption the president Outraged the bureaucracy. You know, these sanctimonious, this guy Kent and this other idiot last week, I'm watching them and they, boy, they think a lot of themselves. They're not the president. That's Donald Trump's job. So they can speculate all they want about what we all can see, which is the transcript. And their alarm at the president's actions oh, okay, based on what? You're not the president. There was election interference. Nobody in the mob and the media will tell you that. It's like they won't tell the Hunter or, or or Joe Biden part of this story, which is a real scandal. Just like Russia collusion and the dirty dossier. It was a real scandal, which we'll get to the bottom of. You know, and they they have to believe it was outrageous that the president got rid of the prosecutor. Ukraine wanted that lady out. Kent Taylor you know, and the one guy that did ask the president, well, what do you want from them for the aid? And he goes, I don't want to quit pro quo. I just want I want honest governing like they campaigned on. Oh, that would be getting to the bottom, by the way, of their interference in our election, which happened to be on Hillary's behalf, not on behalf of Donald Trump. You know, you do have we have one House Democrat, you know, with this hoax that is going on, you know, It's it's an unbelievable level of lying. This is this is so deeply corrupt. Anyway, Jeff Van Drew was only one of two House Democrats to vote against the impeachment inquiry. He said yesterday he believes voters are tired of this. He said to Maria Bartiromo that he's heard concern among his colleagues about the hearings how they've been playing out. There is some discussion among some of them quietly, privately, of concern. I mean, what I'm hearing out on the street is they're kind of tired, they're kind of worn out, they're kind of bored. And we have some anecdotal evidence there. And they really want to m- move on unless there's something new and amazing. We know the end game here, he said. He said he plans to vote against any articles of impeachment unless he hears evidence of a real crime, uh, bribery, treason, high crime of some kind. And we don't see that, he said. Yeah, I'm sure they hate him in the Democratic Caucus. But, you know, since all of this is going on, I'm going to tell you what I really think There's this simultaneous things going on here because they probably don't think they're going to ever get a conviction. But they do know. I I watched the comments of Bill Barr this this weekend and I'm like, oh, boy, he pay attention to what Bill Barr is saying here, because what he's saying, he's communicating something here. Remember, he's been investigating the origins of the Russian witch hunt. He went on record to say that there is a war engaged to systematically sabotage the Trump administration. Unfortunately, just
3: in the past few years, we have seen these conflicts take on an
1: entirely new character. Immediately after President Trump won election, opponents inaugurated what they called the resistance. And they rallied around an explicit strategy of using every tool
3: and maneuver to sabotage the functioning of the executive branch and his administration. The fact of the matter is that in waging a scorched earth, no holds barred war of resistance against this administration, it is the left that is engaged in the systematic shredding of norms and
0: undermining the rule of law. Undermining the rule of law. Now, do you think that this these comments were made in a bubble? Because I don't. And he goes on, this is very dangerous, incendiary notion to import the politics of a democratic republic. And he says what it means, instead of viewing themselves as the loyal opposition... As opposing parties have done in the past, they essentially see themselves as engaged in a war to cripple by any means necessary, a duly elected government. And they rallied, rallied around that explicit strategy of using every tool and maneuver available to sabotage the functioning of the Trump administration and essentially see themselves engaged in a war to cripple by any means necessary, a duly elected government. Pay close attention to those words. That will be, this is the first sign of what this is. And I'm going to tell you another thing here. The Washington Examiner had a good piece on this because since this, this doesn't have a prayer of going anywhere in the Senate. All this hearsay nonsense, it's on and on and on and on and on in a corrupt media. All of this is happening at a time when the Attorney General, when the Inspector General Michael Horowitz and John Durham now officially has a criminal investigation, And they're going to come out publicly with what they know. And I won't go through the details because I've done it many times on this program. Pfizer, everything, you know, premeditated fraud, spying on a presidential candidate transition, president, all of it's coming out. The abuse of intelligence, it's all coming out. You've got 36 percent of independents saying they're tuning all of this out. They don't even want to hear it. That's it. Only 64 percent have have like paid minor attention. Nineteen percent said they watched it. That's it. Seventeen percent said they watched or listened to news summaries. All right. Big deal. But if you look at that and then you look at like the the phony polls by ABC. Yeah, they're surveying now people that can't legally vote. Oh, okay. that's that. There we go. That's important. Um, the president Rasmussen, yeah, he's tracking pretty well around 50% range, uh, which no other poll has him out. And Rasmussen was more accurate than anybody else. So this is just a preview of coming attractions they're going to have another week full of hearsay people. And the one guy that did talk to the president makes an open-ended question. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, he said he didn't want any quid pro quo. That's the summary. There's your week. You can now tune out because it's not worth it. I will tell you this. um, Obama said this weekend, the average American doesn't want to tear down the system. You know, listen to what he says here.
4: Even as we push the envelope and we are uh, bold in our vision,
1: we also have to be rooted in reality. And the fact that voters include, Democratic voters and certainly persuadable independents or even moderate Republicans uh, are not driven by the same views that are reflected on certain uh, left leaning feeds or the activist wing of our of our party. This is still a country that uh, is is less revolutionary than it is interested in improvement. They like seeing things improve, but the average American doesn't think that we have to completely tear down the system and remake it. And and I think it's important for us not, not to lose sight of that.
0: Now, by the way, many speculating that Obama, because of Axelrod's involvement with Deval Patrick, that he secretly is supporting Deval Patrick. We'll see. Uh, Matt Terry, our pollster, I think he's he's thinking that's the strategy too. Warren now backtracking on our fifty two billion dollar two trillion dollar Medicare for all. I'll I'll do that in year three of my administration. I think my favorite this weekend was Mayor Bloomberg. Three years as Mayor Stop and Frisk. All these intervening years, now he's apologizing and getting all choked up that he implemented stop and frisk, which, by the way, is proven to have saved lives. You may not like it, but if Obama's too, if if Obama's saying you guys are too far left, yeah, there's probably a reason. I'll tell you the other reason he's not talking Obama. Obama knows that you can't have a counterintelligence investigation without a president. I think Obama, unlike Brennan, Clapper Comey, I think he knows it might be a vulnerability here, and he wants to kind of not talk about it.
1: Over time, I've come to understand something that I long struggled to admit to myself. I got something important wrong. I got something important really wrong. I didn't understand that back then, the full impact that stops were having on the black and Latino communities. I was totally focused on saving lives, but as we know, good intentions aren't good enough. Because it had been so high, resentment had built up. And we eroded what we had worked so hard to build, trust. Trust between police and communities, Trust between you and me. And the erosion of that trust bothered me deeply. And it still bothers me. And I want to earn it back.
5: And then there's the unity candidates. They're like the let's go back a little more to Barack Obama, disagree without being disagreeable. We gotta bring the country together. So where which side of the line are you on? Well, I guess I would put a twist
6: on it. So uh, we definitely have to get beyond fight, fight, fight. But I also don't believe we can go back. I don't think there's going back to Obama. I don't think there's going back to Clinton. Uh, I think that the world that we've been in, the American political world we've been in from the day I was born, has been blown up. And blown up by what? By Trump? By By its own failures, which culminated in Trump. Look, if the old way worked... Something like Trump would never have been possible yeah. And so I'm really pushing off two things I'm pushing off the idea that Infinite political warfare is going to be the way forward For this country yeah. But I'm also pushing off the idea that there's any such thing as back to normal There's just not, there can't be Normal didn't work, normal didn't work in the industrial midwest where I live Right. Normal hasn't worked for my generation uh, And our job is to figure out the new normal And it's going to take more than fighting It's going to take building uh, I will say this in some way, shape or form Tomorrow I mean, I'd venture to say this is the biggest
1: political
5: speech you've ever given.
0: Yes. All right. That is, by the way, Pete Buttigieg surging in the polls in Iowa, apparently uh, by a pretty significant amount. Before that, of course, Michael Bloomberg. I, I, I'm just sitting there. Okay, seven years later, I—it's been bothering me for seven years. No, he's running for president, and he thinks the issue is going to hurt him, so he's just changing and saying and doing whatever he thinks he needs to do to appeal to the radical Democratic base. That's all. That is so obviously transparent. I mean, and he, it, it's so blatant. He can't believe it. All right. So we've got all this happening. The prism of what is pure and utter madness and insanity. You got a mob mentality that just wants to take Donald Trump down for, for no reason at all. How is all of this going to impact the 2020 race? We bring in our pollsters now. Hour two, by the way, Sean Hannity show. 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. John McLaughlin uh, is with us. Um, and Matt Towery, who says he's retired, but he's not. Pollsters <laughs> still extraordinaire. Uh, all right, let's start with Bloomberg. I mean, OK, he did it his entire three terms as mayor. Uh, Now he's going to say, no, that was wrong. It's been bothering me the whole time. How does that go over with voters, uh, John McLaughlin?
4: Well, I tell you, full disclosure, uh, uh, one of your regulars in the past has been Doug Schoen. And Doug was Bloomberg's pollster. And Doug and I are friends. In 2001, he asked me to help Bloomberg, and I said, no, he's a Democrat. And he ended up running as a Republican for mayor in 05. My brother Jim actually worked for Bloomberg in his reelection when he was a Republican. And now Bloomberg, by the way, he, re-
0: he really wasn't a Republican. He was a Democrat who saw a crowded Democratic primary field and said, you know what? I'll just run as a Republican. Everybody knows I'm a Democrat, so I don't have to battle it out in the primary. That's what happened.
4: Right. Because he would have lost the Democrat primary. And ironically, when he won after 9-11 in 2001, he actually got 30 percent of the African-American vote, and won with Hispanics, and then he went on to lose it. In his third term, he barely won re-election. And, and now you have, what I find this whole, the whole thing that's amazing is, you know, we did ask him in, in our last national poll, and it's on our website, mclaughlinonline.com, we put his name in there for, uh, for president. And in the field, he was losing to Bernie Sanders and Warren, who really just want to take his money and confiscate it. And Bloomberg was only at one percent. And now he's trailing in the Des Moines, Iowa Register poll. He's, he's trailing with like one or two points. And Buttigieg, the mayor of South Bend, is more qualified to run for president and is the front runner than than a three term mayor in New York City. And he certainly outlasted de, Comrade de Blasio. So. But, but
0: in this the, environment, the, don't you sound like an idiot He's he was New York City's liberal mayor for three terms. Now he wants to get it in late in the game. And he's like, oh, uh, the Democratic Party base isn't going to support me because of stop and frisk. So now, you know, 25 years later, I'm just going to say, no, it's been bothering me the whole time.
4: (laughs) It looks transparent. It's totally political. It's a sure sign he really is going to run. It's not just the money. It's a sure sign for him to get up there and apologize, with his you know his stature and all that, and say I was wrong. When he was he used to brag about this when he was running for mayor that this was the way they got guns off the streets, that this is the way they had the lowest crime rate. Following up on Mayor Giuliani, they had the lowest crime rate in in, in the whole country for a big city. It had the murders had fell dramatically, and for him now to apologize, it just it's totally transparent. What if, uh, well, how do you think it goes over Matt Towery?
7: Well, okay. So I'm not looking at Bloomberg. I don't think he, I think he's a non-starter. He can do okay in Florida, but that's late. He can take parts of California, but that's late. I don't view him as the issue. I view as the issue, Deval Patrick. I said six months ago, a year ago, a year and a half ago, that this was Obama's guy and he got in the race, all bets are off. So if you want to talk about a last minute entry that I'm concerned about for the Republicans and for the president, it would be Deval Patrick. And I also think that this plays into, we can talk about it later, the schedule of this so-called impeachment, uh, where the heroes of hearsay and the kings of conjecture have been controlling things for the last few weeks. And I think if there's going to be an impeachment, we need to think long and hard about what the Senate lays down as a marker as to when this trial can take place, because it has a direct effect on how the outcome of this election turn, turns out, And it could work to Deval Patrick's tremendous favor if the Republicans don't wake up and realize what's going on.
0: All right. Explain that more detail then. What is the strategy? What would you tell them? Where is the danger? I got to tell you, there's a certain madness now that has taken over and it's a mob mentality. I mean, you have you have to ignore Joe Biden and Hunter Biden's real quid pro quo, real shakedown, uh, real abuse of power, Uh, just totally, completely, utterly ignore it bifurcate your brain and just say, no, Donald Trump saying, hey, your election interference needs to be looked into, faithfully executing the laws of the land and fulfilling his oath. You know, so where does that play? How does that play out? Why does that impact Deval Patrick in your view?
7: Well, here's the reason. So this is an utter and complete sham. We know that. But they are layering on one person after another, which is, of course, the plan. And I said several weeks ago, I didn't think it would be over before Thanksgiving. I don't think it will be. I think it will drag on until December. I think the Senate has got to lay down a marker. Deliver us uh, articles of impeachment within the first week of January, or then you're interfering in a 2020 election. The same thing that you're all upset about in 2016, and you're all upset about going into 2020, now you're interfering with regard to President Trump as well. So deliver it or shut up. The reason I say that is is that a lot of people think having these senators stuck, and as you know, the senators cannot leave during an impeachment trial. They can't leave. So the concept is, well, wouldn't it be real funny if Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are stuck in the U.S. Senate and they can't go out and campaign on up to the third for Iowa or going into New Hampshire or Nevada or South Carolina? No, that would be a disaster because they're the liberals who are going to win this nomination. If they're stuck in the Senate because this thing rolls over into February or March, instead of being over by the time they're campaigning out there in February, if it gets into deeper in these southern states in particular – Deval Patrick is going to be the default winner of this thing. I promise you they're going to energize that African-American base, in South Carolina, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Virginia, Alabama, Arkansas, all of which occur uh, before or, or on March 3rd. And now all of a sudden you're facing real trouble, all manipulated by using
0: this. Are you, are you convinced process? that he does get this nomination? You sound like you really believe it's his to, to, to walk away with.
7: Well, I'm not convinced he gets the nomination, but I know this: that Deval Patrick um, is Barack Obama Jr. And right now, in the polling, whether we like it or not, Barack Obama has seen as calm, steady president in the eyes of many Americans who don't don't really understand what took place. What do you make of him?
0: Well, well, let me go to let me get first get John's reaction sure. to that. And the left is livid with Obama over his comments about Americans don't want revolution to tear down the system and a lot of the hard left is, you know, furious with him now.
4: Well, I, I think, I think, first of all, Matt's point about Deval Patrick's right in, in, in terms of he's a factor because the Democrats like to play identity politics. And so far right now, their African-American candidates have failed. I mean, Cory Booker's not catching on. Kamala Harris is like they're talking about her bailing out of the race. So Deval Patrick who had the same consultant and strategist, David Axelrod, as President Obama, all of a sudden is getting in. Well, you know who that hurts? Joe Biden. Because the one state where he still maintains a lead, although he slipped, is South Carolina. And South Carolina is the majority of the majority of voters in the Democratic primary, happen to be African-Americans, as they go into Super Tuesday on March 3rd, where the majority of the southern states, whether it's Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, et cetera, African-Americans. So the African-American vote for the past couple of decades has picked winners for the Democrat Party, whether it's uh, – uh, has picked the nominee at least, Bill Clinton, Al Gore, Obama over Hillary Clinton. So now you got an African-American coming into the race trying to get that vote, because even though they're going to say, oh, he's the former governor of Massachusetts, he needs to do well in New Hampshire with uh, Bernie from next door and Elizabeth Warren from next door, he's not going to do well up there. But if he places well enough to be in the pack, he could come back and win South Carolina, and that's a factor. And it's a fragmentation of their party, where their frontrunner, Joe Biden, is collapsing, and the left it really creates opportunities for Warren and for Sanders, that one of them could be the nominee if that socialist vote combines. And, you know, you're talking about how Donald Trump, what we have to do in the Trump campaign is just run like we're constantly behind. And this whole impeachment process is all about trying to stop Donald Trump from getting reelected. That's all it it's
0: is. All is, is any of this going to blow up in their face? I mean, the, what they've now done to the country, what they're dragging this country through over nothing. Does it like, for example, most most people now recognize 53 percent, you know, see the media. As working with Democrats to impeach Trump, I agree with that poll. I, and I, I, at some point, there's got to be a price for them all to pay for all of this. Does that factor Sean, in? Sean, when it blows up is when the, the
7: president's team and the other side have the opportunity to bring in witnesses, to ask real questions and to strip this thing apart. And that's more than likely in the U.S. Senate. Now, I want to note one thing about the process in the Senate. Everyone thinks all the senators get to ask questions left and right. That's not the way it works. They have to have written questions submitted, and a determination has to be made. Will they accept that, that, that question? Now, the president does get to have people who defend him actively on the floor, and they can ask questions. But the fact of the matter is, at some point, this thing will blow up. But the faster it blows up and the faster the president gets it behind him, the better off he is, whether that's in the House were in the
0: Senate. Matt, you, you almost convinced me that this is going to be Deval Patrick's to lose. Uh, what about his record in Massachusetts? Doesn't that factor in at all? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I, I <laughs> The only reason, and I don't say it's his to lose, Sean, but what I am
7: saying is that everyone thought that there would be an Obama backed candidate who would enter at the last minute, and there was this crazy concept that it would be Michelle Obama, which of course would have been significant. That's not who entered. It's clearly Deval Patrick. And so we're going to have to wait and see. A couple of things will have to happen. There will have to be a coalescing around Deval Patrick like Obama received back in 2008. I keep mentioning that time that Oprah appeared at William Bryce Stadium in South Carolina. If those sort of things happen, He could easily be the nominee for what John was talking about, but it's no guarantee right now.
0: Last 30 seconds, John McLaughlin.
4: Well, I think right now it's just it's just more of the, the, the disintegration of Joe Biden. The Democrat establishment is still kind of wed to him. They still want him to be the one to emerge, but he's collapsing. And Deval Patrick's going to take another big chunk out of him, and he's going to go farther down the polls. I mean, he is losing to Pete Buttigieg and two socialists in Iowa. He's losing <laughs> New Hampshire. He has no place to go. And Mike Bloomberg... Mike Bloomberg, God bless him. He's he's not going to win the Democrat nomination. He's going to spend a lot of money. He's going to make right. a lot of TV. Yes or no? So. Final
0: exit question Does Does this impeachment madness blow up in their face and help re elect Trump? Yes or no? John? Yes. Matt? Yes or no? Yes, after a trial. All right. Thank you both. 800 941 Sean, toll free telephone number. We've told you about him for years. Clint Lawrence is freed. Also, get your calls in. The other news of the day, 800 941 Sean. Great Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern. We'll tell you about that in a minute as we continue.
8: We are people who repeatedly uproot our lives, who risk and sometimes give our lives for this country. We are the 52 Americans who 40 years ago this month began 444 days of deprivation, torture and captivity in Tehran. We are the dozens of Americans stationed at our embassy in Cuba and consulates in China who mysteriously and dangerously and in some cases, perhaps even permanently, were injured and attacked from unknown sources several years ago. And we are Ambassador Chris Stevens, Sean Patrick Smith, Ty Woods and Glenn Doherty. All
0: right. That was the uh, Maria Yovanovitch testimony from last week. Most unbelievable part of this is I'm watching and I'm waiting and I'm listening. Now, on this part, we know all about uh, former slain Navy SEAL Ty Woods. I got to know this guy's family. And remember, the, the guys in Benghazi, they were told to stand down and they didn't stand down. And how you're making a comparison I'm trying to understand where this comes from. So Charles Woods is the father of slain Navy SEAL Ty Woods. And um, and there she is comparing herself to the men and women. They perished on nine eleven. This was in 2012 in Benghazi. And then we were lied to repeatedly. But again, nothing ever seems to happen. If you're a Democrat, you pretty much get away with anything you want. At least that's the way it's beginning to feel like in this country. Uh, Anyway, Charles Woods is the father of uh, slain Navy SEAL Ty Woods. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to check in. Number one, how are you doing? How's your family? I don't think anyone ever recovers when you lose a child. And I know you, you heard about this, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it.
3: Well, thank you, Sean. First of all, I want to thank you for being such a friend of our family. And I mean that very, very sincerely from the bottom of my heart. You have done so much to honor ty to honor our country, and also, quite frankly, to honor God. And I really appreciate that.
0: Well, you're very kind, but I got to tell you, it's guys like your son. You know, when all hope is gone, and here he goes, he 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 does everything that we would ever want a, an American hero to do. And where's the heroism with her? I'm I'm trying to understand that comparison because that's not what happened to her
3: no uh, actually exactly the opposite see this Yovanovitch um compared herself to the heroes of benghazi she doesn't even come close okay um she may be a hero in some other respect but if trump was the president at the time military forces would have been there to rescue Tim, to, uh, to rescue the ambassador and everyone else and they would have been there immediately instead we had these lies from um, uh, Panetta from Obama and from Hillary saying that they did not have time to get military assets there in time. okay everyone knows that that is a flat out lie, but we've never had proof up until recently of that. Here we are the most powerful military nation in the world and we have I have in front of me actually a letter from the president which is dated September 27 uh, 2013 and he says, is the truth. And when he uses the word truth, I think he means exactly the opposite. The truth is that the attacks happened so rapidly that U.S. forces could not arrive in time to prevent the loss of our brave Americans. As President Trump would probably say, that's a bunch of baloney sausage.
0: You know, Um, you know, look, Obama got rid of a lot of ambassadors. You know, she she started complaining behind closed doors. Oh, yeah. She started acting like oh. I was running a smear campaign. her. I'm like, who is this woman? I'm like, she, wait a minute. She uh, was. She was. She had complaints filed by her co-workers
3: that she was attacking President Trump,
0: her boss. They right. OK. You, you're not allowed to. Do, if you're representing the country, she was a holdover. Why they held her what? over or anybody else is ridiculous anyway. And then we go back and we look and we find. And I think I'm sitting here, Charles, we found four instances on TV where her name was brought up in passing because of some reporting and the fact that, you know, the prosecutor general in Ukraine, I don't know if it's true or not. He made the allegation that she provided a list of names of people she didn't want prosecuted. That's not John Solomon's fault or my fault that that was reported. She should take it up with the prosecutor general. And John pointed out that she also got involved in politics. So it's not exactly as she's making this appear in any way, shape, manner or form that she is this great, brave victim in all of this. It it just is not true. And that's what she's trying to claim. Oh, yeah,
3: exactly. What I don't like is the fact that she tried to portray herself on the same level as being a hero of Benghazi. Okay, the people there, they were willing to lay down their life because they loved our country so much. Instead of laying down her life and her career for the benefit of our country, what does she do? She tries to throw the president under the bus. Okay, and then she starts she made this one statement and she asked this question, did the State Department, did the secretary of state Hillary Clinton, did Obama administration do everything to protect Ambassador Stevens? The answer to her question is no. In the last few months, I've had six ex-military people contact me. Uh, They worked for like CENTCOM whose job it was to send rescue teams. They were told immediately as as soon as the attack started, do not rescue, okay? This is completely contrary to what was being said that, oh, we didn't have military assets close enough. Uh, I have a letter from the president that says exactly that. That's a flat out lie. And originally I thought that my son was killed just because of negligence. Okay. But I suspected that they really could have said, now we have military people who've confirmed the facts that they were told do not rescue. So instead of this being negligent homicide, this was murder of my son and the others.
0: We're going to continue to follow the story as facts become available, make them available to us. I do know this after talking to those guys that went over and they said, your son was like one of the last to die. He was o- o- over there fighting these guys right. try a- and successfully saving many American lives in that embassy at that time. Some. Correct. 30 and, yeah. and and actually, Sean, I... Inst- and they I, were all yeah. told to stand down. Every one of them tells us that. Right.
3: Do not rescue. And they were. it wasn't just the people in Benghazi. The rescue teams... They were told, do not stand, do not rescue. And that, those were being coordinated from two places, Ramstein, Germany, and uh, from Florida, from Tampa, Florida. And they, it wasn't just in Benghazi they were told to stand down. They were told, do not rescue in those two places that coordinated the rescue teams. Yeah. Like I say, now it's not just negligence. We had from the very top being told, do not rescue. And the reason given to one of them was because the State Department was in control of the situation. Now, the State Department does not give orders to the military not to rescue or not to do a military deal. It's the president. That's the commander-in-chief is the one who gets orders to the military, unless the commander-in-chief says, in this situation with Benghazi, obey Hillary and the State Department, don't obey the commander-in-chief. And that's what happened here. And and Uh, I I did give the names of six of these um, whistleblowers to Linda, your producer, gave them the phone numbers too, so she can... Confirm this, and so you guys can actually get the statements from them. And I I do appreciate everything you guys have done, Sean.
0: All right, Charles. Listen, uh, you're always in our thoughts and prayers. I don't think any parent ever recovers from any of this. I really don't. Uh, Well,
3: I I want to say one one more thing. The reason I'm doing that is not vindictiveness, as you know, I've forgiven everyone. The reason I'm doing this is to protect our liberty. We're a democracy. And our democracy is based upon people voting intentionally based upon the truth. And the truth has not come out on this. In order to vote intelligently, people need to know the truth about what happened in Benghazi, how they were betrayed by our president and by our secretary of state, and how they've tried to cover this up for six years. And I would like for the president to be able to basically give those military people freedom to talk about what really happened, that he basically give them carte blanche, you don't have to worry about your security clearance being revoked or whatever, there won't be any repercussions, but we give you permission to talk publicly about what really happened and why uh they were told it's called
0: freedom ready. of speech yeah let them tell yeah. the story uh charles we love you all the best to your family okay. and you're always thank in you. our prayers my friend thank you
3: Th- thank you sean we love everything that you've done as well thank, thank you.
0: you now clint lawrence is going to join us in the next hour He's actually going to join us in studio linda's happy she actually went down to see him and all these other military guys that that are spending time in prison because we asked them to go fight wars. We put handcuffs on them and then we sit in air conditioned rooms with tribunals and determine, well, we don't think you made the right decision killing the enemy at that point. Yeah. How many years have we followed that case? Uh, all right, let's get to Mike is in Idaho. Mike. Hi, how are you? Glad you called, sir. Hey Sean Hannity. How are you? I'm good, sir. What's going on? Yeah, I
6: have a, a theory that I think expands a little bit on what you've been talking about. Yes, sir. I've always said that the Democrats are better at politics because they're more devious. And I think what they're doing here is exactly what they want. They they just want the impeachment process itself. When they talk about, when AOC talks about, you know, we need to impeach, they need this. They need the theater. They need the drama. They need the feelings. That's all they're talking about is feelings. There's no facts, you know. It's all hearsay. It's nothing that would stand up in an actual trial. But it is something that they could run campaign ads on left and right moving forward,
0: and I think that's how they think they can beat him. They are trying to bludgeon down this president. Right. This this is all about twenty twenty. They know they're not going to get, and they don't care what they do to the country. They they you ha- they have now totally compartmentalized psychologically bifurcated their liberal brains to ignore everything about the the Bidens, which tells you everything about this whole thing and how corrupt it is. And I'm just going to say this. If we let them get away with this, we will get the country we deserve, which means we will lose the greatest gift we've ever been given. And that is a country that has Constitutional order, due process, equal justice, equal application. So th- this is not a small issue. They're out for blood. They they can feel it. They can taste it. They're they're circling the waters, and they do nothing for the country. Nothing in the meantime. They haven't done a thing, Mike. Can you name anything? I can't name a thing.
6: I can't. And I also wanted to say this is this is exactly what they accuse the Republicans of. They
0: are actually interfering. This is actual collusion.
6: What they are doing is actual collusion. It's not a made-up word. It is actual collusion. They are colluding with the twenty twenty results, you know, for the presidential election. This is collusion.
0: If you want to see collusion, this is it. Well, there's a lot of there's, there's so much corruption here. It's sad to watch all of this unfold. I agree. It is Thanks beyond sad. Thank you, sir. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, you want to be a part of the program? right as we head back to our busy telephones 800-941-SEAN is our number you want to be a part of the program all right let's go to bob in pennsylvania bob the all-important state of pennsylvania my friend how are you i'm pretty good sean how are you thanks for everything you do well thank you for helping me do it what's going on
9: i just uh i had some thought that while i was watching the uh ambassador yovanovich uh testify and it was it was sad i i I mean watching the damn democrat uh pull her out and parade her out and in front of a national audience and humiliate her in front of the whole country over again after they already had her testimony Just to advance their, you know, anti-Trump narrative.
0: You know, you you just look at it. There's no sound mental processes that they're using here. There's no intellectual honesty to anything that they're saying. It is the single biggest, most flagrant case of hypocrisy I've ever seen. And they're all fine with that. They Mm -hmm. seem perfectly fine to suspend all reason and understanding and intellectual honesty and common sense. They don't care. It's this is as bad as I've ever seen politics. This is as dark. This is as ugly. This is as dangerous as I've ever seen it. Because although let's go back, Trump lied to Mueller. Let's go after that now. Let's go. It's it's literally a a form of mob madness, and they they feed on themselves and feed on themselves like and they get into a frenzy after a frenzy after a frenzy. Anyway, give you the last 30 seconds, Bob.
9: You know, one other thing I I noticed, they they love to tell that uh, Biden and uh, Hunter Biden were not guilty of anything, but they, they never, no one, and it doesn't seem like the Republicans ever bring it up either. They need to stress that, there was no investigation. It got shut down. I maybe I missed it, but it seems like I never hear that when they when, it, when all these mainstream media people come out and, you know, proclaim, you know, well, he's not he's never been proven guilty of anything. Well, the only investigation we know about is the one that
0: they shut down. What is happening before our eyes is th- this is not representative of a democratic republic. And that is ultimately what is in play in this coming election year and you know what we're not that far out we're only 351 days away and that's when we get our say and i'm just hoping that everybody remembers and understands what's at stake here anyway i appreciate the call 800-941- sean you want to be a part of the program next hour clint lawrence checks in with us we're looking forward to that and your calls and more straight ahead
6: Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. I do want to comment, uh,
1: and Mr. I'll chairman.
5: I'll, I have a point of order under H.Res. 660. The gentleman will state her point of order. Uh, the point of order is: Will the chairman continue to prohibit witnesses from answering Republican questions, as you've done in closed hearings, and as you did this week when you proper, interrupted our questions? That is not a proper point of order. The gentleman will, sus- will suspend. <laughs> Mr. speaker, I, have, I, I do. Chairman, I have it. Uh, yep, gentleman is not recognized. Mr. Chairman, I have a point of order. Gentleman not recognized. I have a point of order, though. Gentleman is not recognized. I do want to respond. I allowed the ranking member to... I have a point of to, order. I, the not
3: recognized. Mr. Allowed, Chairman, there are four transcripts that have not been released. The gentleman is not
5: recognized. Holy the ranking cow. member was allowed to exceed the opening statement, and I was happy to allow him to do so. Mr. Chairman, today, I have a point today, of order. Mr. Chairman, I have not, a point of order. The gentleman under under is HLS. not recognized.
0: That is how insane this whole thing. A judge, jury, executioner, Adam Schiff, the compromised fact witness that is a congenital liar that has lied to the country for three long, solid years. And in the end, the appearance of fairness is not. It's just that it is a show inquiry. First, we'll do it behind closed doors. Then we'll 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 audition the best people that we can bring out, but none of them know anything anyway. We have we'll ignore and bifurcate any reality of what it is that Joe and Hunter were doing over in Ukraine, even though that's all on tape. That money can be followed. Real quid pro quos, uh, real shakedown, and you see the sham unfolding. And again, nothing happened. It's all there. And it is it's now just they're, they're feeding all over themselves over the same non-facts in this thing. Uh, anyway, uh, Congressman Scott Perry of Pennsylvania. Now, he's a member of the Freedom Caucus. He has a member of the Foreign Affairs Committee. He's participated in all but one of the closed door impeachment hearings. He has been inside the, quote, skiff as they call it, for the full duration of each of these events and has attended the Public Intelligence Committee hearings. And uh, anyway, you know, we weighed in on uh, Adam Schiff's never-ending show trial. You know, this is, it shows how sick Washington has become. Uh, Congressman, welcome uh, back to the program. Great to have you on. And I think you offer more insight with facts and details than anyone else out there. You know, less maybe Jim Jordan and Devin Nunes.
10: Well, Sean, thank you so much. It's a privilege to be on your show. And I just let your audience know that after the uh, the public airing, so to speak, of Ambassador Yovanovitch last Friday, we immediately departed that and went back down into the skiff for another deposition in secret. And it wasn't, Sean, it wasn't one hour before the uh, opening statement that was that was given to the members of the of the committee. It wasn't one hour before that was out to CNN. The whole thing was leaked completely to CNN, and of course, the members uh, that were present uh, in the in the skiff were then admonished by the chairman to make sure that uh, that you know that we maintain the fidelity of the information provided in the skiff and that it was not to be discussed outside of uh, you know those walls and and we have just seen that over and over how blatant the the abuses and of course that's all process but uh, you know what we're talking about and i think most americans saw it if they watched this uh, this thing this spectacle last week is is that these people all have opinions about what they thought the president might have meant, or what they thought uh, that uh, President Zelensky was uh, was dealing with, and what have you. But not one of them, their star witnesses, had any firsthand knowledge. As a matter of fact, Ambassador Yovanovitch hadn't been there. Uh, she was already she was already transferred from her post at the time of the phone call. Didn't never spoke to the president. Didn't set up the call. Uh, didn't have anything to do with it. So that's five and a half hours of irrelevant testimony about you know. And, and this is America. We we appreciate and respect her opinion, but it has nothing to do with the uh, with the case at hand. And as a matter of fact, in her own testimony, she divulged that the the president uh, had some interest in in re, you know removing her or reassigning her from her post for essentially a year. So when they say this all has to do with. Uh, outside actors or an additional foreign policy channel. The president, you know, what, uh, what I one of the overarching themes from all these witnesses that you're going to see is, is these people can't believe that the president of the United States had the audacity to get involved in foreign policy. Uh, you know, he's supposed to do what they say, and he he decided he is the uh, he read the Constitution. Apparently, he decided he was the 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 person that set foreign policy, and they just cannot accept it.
0: Don't we go down to the four facts that that Jim Jordan always points out that never changing this whole thing and that is that the the aid was never tied to any actions that ever were made by anybody at no time during either of the phone calls does the president even mention the word aid and you know with all respect to Yovanovich you know I barely knew this woman and she's whining and complaining that I that her name came up in passing four times on my show. I never got a call from Pompeo or anybody else at the State Department nor would I have needed one I've never talked to anybody in Ukraine in my life and uh and I'm just sitting here saying so she has no first hand knowledge about any of this why is she even there
10: well she's there i think to uh, to buttress the claim that uh you know the president is is uh, is mean and he shouldn't be he shouldn't be uh exercising his constitutional authority to appoint and uh and reassign ambassadors for any reason or no reason at all here's what we do know about ambassador ivanovitch under the obama administration she was prepared uh for her for her confirmation with questions about Hunter Biden and the uh the appearance uh the appearances there of uh you know of impropriety and uh and how she was going to answer those questions. So while the Obama administration was fully aware and concerned about it because President Trump is fully aware and concerned about it. Now we want to impeach him uh where in the past they just prepared the uh the would be ambassador for her testimony. That that's the difference that we're seeing and and that's what uh, I think the most important thing about her being there uh, is, is that there was there's, as usual, two different standards, one for this president and one for the previous president and administration.
0: So you have the current ambassador, this guy, Kent, testifying last week, and they're all talking about what about Gordon uh, Sondland, who is, I guess, what, the ambassador to the European Union. Didn't Sondland, I'm told, numerous times and it's been re- re- reported repeatedly, didn't he state numerous times that the president clearly stated, I want no quid pro quo? Didn't he say that?
10: Well, what he 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 did say that he wants no quid pro quo. As a matter of fact, Mister Sondland asked him, as Mister Sondland put it, an open-ended question. He said, "Mr. President, what do you want from Ukraine?" And the president's response was, "I want nothing from Ukraine. I want the president to do what he campaigned on, which was to root out and stamp out corruption."
0: Okay. Now, wouldn't that be a good thing? Isn't it now an established fact in a Ukrainian courtroom? Isn't it an established fact with Politico? that Ukraine interfered in our 2016 elections. Isn't that true?
10: Well, it is true, but what what the Democrats and the left will say is, is that it's a conspiracy theory that has been debunked. Well, it is a conspiracy. It's not a theory, and it's never been debunked. First of all, the Ukrainian uh, investigators uh, didn't pursue the case because they were warned off the case by people in the Obama administration. That's number one. Number two, they, have people, they act like the Mueller investigation took a look at it. It never looked at it at all. We're hoping that the Barr uh, investigation looks at it, but this has never been determined whatsoever, but we do know the roots of the Steele dossier emanate from Ukraine. But they're just not interested in talking about it. So they say it's debunked. But uh, that's a that's a flat out falsehood.
0: So what's the end game here? They're going to impeach him. We bring it over to the Senate. He gets acquitted. Is this really just a bludgeon job uh, to mess up, uh, bloody up Donald Trump politically as much as they can, hoping that that this will Help them, whoever their eventual nominee is for 2020. What is their end game?
10: Well, that's that's certainly my opinion. I mean, they're 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 impeaching the president based on the opinions of people that worked in and around him who disagreed with him. That's essentially what they're doing, and and the only the only end game I can see is is that they want to reduce uh, the support of public opinion for him in in one demographic or another, or maybe in all, just by being able to say as we head into the presidential election that here you have a. President who's been impeached. And a lot of people don't understand impeachment doesn't necessarily mean removal. Of course, if the Senate doesn't convict and they won't, Uh, he won't be removed. But there's a lot of people that don't understand what uh, what that term means. And they think, well, impeach must be bad. So... Uh, You know, so it's going to be up to us to inform people of this uh, kangaroo court with with Captain Kangaroo sitting at the head of it. The the least uh, qualified person in Congress, as you said, lied to the American people for two and a half years, did exactly what he's accusing the president of doing by trying to work with others to dig up dirt on his opponents, and then uh, lied to the American people in the world in his opening statement where he acted like he recounted the call when it was just made up. Uh, what he wanted to say. And then finally, by uh, again, lying to the American people about any involvement with the whistleblower. This is the least qualified person uh, running this kangaroo court. But that's what the uh, to me, that's what the end game is.
0: All right. So this week we got, let's see, Volker, uh, Timothy Morrison. We got Sondland. Uh, Vindman. Vindman. Vindman okay. So what, what is going to be you're ready? These guys already audition testimony. Right okay, so does is there any fact witnesses here? anybody without well, hearsay uh,
10: uh, uh, well Lieutenant Colonel Vindman was on the call as a part of the national security council, so he 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 listened to the call, but uh, again, he has opinions. Uh, about it, but uh, he 's going to be seen as unassailable, and let me just say this, Sean, as a person who 's been privileged to wear the the military the uniform of the United States military for over thirty eight years, um, you know we are still bound by, bound by a code of honor and uh, and to tell the truth and While uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman may think that he sets policy again, his job is to institute uh, the policy that is set by the President of the United States, and I think what you 'll clearly see is, is that he 's got a little bit of a problem in doing that, which goes to chain of command issues uh, for him. You know, you have to understand the chain of command. I don't care if you're a general officer, or a lieutenant colonel, or a private. Uh, the president is the commander-in-chief, and whether you disagree with his positions or not, yours is to execute them, especially if you're in uniform. If you're not in uniform, we'll go ahead and resign and, and go out in the public sector and then complain all you want.
0: All right, so, but there are no fact witnesses here. We're, we're still down to two transcripts that never mention anything about aid. And at the end of the day, the, the one person, Sondland, that did ask the president directly what he wanted in exchange got, I don't want a quid pro quo. I want honesty in government and not corruption. Correct. OK, is there any other fact that's going to come out different than that this week that we need to pay attention to?
10: No, I don't, I don't think so. They're going to they're gonna make it sound very bad. Uh, some of the people that testify, of course, they don't appreciate the, the president's position, but I just would caution your audience when you're listening to this testimony, try and glean out what is fact and what is opinion, and, and, and 99.9% of it is, is, is going to be their opinion. It is not going to be fact.
0: All right, Congressman, thank you for your time. You've been doing a great job. Scott Perry, Pennsylvania, House Freedom Caucus member, 800 941 sean You want to be a part of the program uh we'll get to your calls next i'll give you a preview of hannity we got a great show tonight and Clint lawrence is now free he'll join us in studio right after the news at the bottom of the hour we followed this case for years now all right, let's get to our busy phones here. Then Clint Lawrence will join us. He's coming in studio in just a minute. Uh, looking forward to meeting him. We've talked about him and his case for a long time. And thanks to President Trump, he's out of Leavenworth today. And And we'll be doing all of this on Twitter Live, which I can't wait to do because I love being on TV when I do radio. Love it. I don't get enough time on TV. Anyway, uh, South Carolina Brandy, uh, you're a fine girl. What a good wife you'd be. How many times have people said that to you in your life?
8: Well, that's the song I was named after, so it works out well.
0: I think you, did you once tell me that?
8: I don't think so. There
0: was a, I said that once to another brandy who calls the show and she goes, I was named after that song. I'm like, well, there's wow.
8: There's more of us out there.
0: That's, well, do you like, <laughs> like this song? You, tell me you at least like the song.
8: Oh, I love the song. It's a great song. I love the song. Looking Glass is great. So right.
0: so what's on your mind, Brandy? Glad you called.
8: Well, first of all, since this um, impeachment hearing is all about opinions, I want to go ahead and provide you with some facts. Um, I'm 27. I'm a female and I'm a millennial. So I'm not the typical uh, assumption of a white male um, conservative or I guess, somebody who is privileged because I'm not. Um, But what I wanted to state was very simply a good example of how this hearing is based off of feelings is is the question that Schiff asked um, Ambassador Yovanovitch when he said, how did that make you feel when she was fired from her position? This impeachment hearing is not about how she felt. No one feels good when they've been let go of their job. No one. But it's simply about this phone call that was made to the Ukrainian president where they're saying that there was a bribe. When we have the transcript in front of us, we can read and there was no type of bribe mentioned or.
0: Well, first of all, the only thing you're not you're willing to do that everyone else is is actually think logically with reason and and common sense. Yeah, th- th- none of this is admissible if you if you're fighting a parking ticket. It's so ridiculous. All right, Brandy, we got to play this for you on the way out cuz we're up on a break.
4: They'll say, they'll say, Brandy. You're a fine girl.
0: Great song. All right. Right back. Clint Lorenz in studio next
8: the week is Thanksgiving. Yeah. If the president is watching, what do you want to say to him?
5: I love you, sir. <laughs> You're awesome. Uh, you and your, uh, you know, I I'll say this, Mr. President, I wish you had a better team around you. Uh, you, you knew you need more people watching your back. Um, and um, I think you don't have a lot of that. And, and that is absolutely unfortunate. And that uh, that infuriates me to no end. Um, The American people elected you. um, And, you know, my thing is, if you're working in the White House or if you're working uh, in the United States government and you don't agree with something the president does, then go home. Well, there, there's someone who's. We're, I've got to get your comment on this is so someone who wants to be the next commander in chief tweeted about your case and Matt's case and Eddie's case. It was Joe Biden. He tweeted this. He said Trump's intervention in the American military justice system to pardon service members accused or convicted of war crimes betrays the rule of law, the values that make our country exceptional. And in the men and women who wear the uniform honorably, he is not fit to command our troops. What would you say to that? Well, I would say with all due respect to the former vice president, um, you know, uh, that seems to be a, um, a partisan um, answer. That seems to be uh, something that he's just towing the party line on. Um, I highly doubt the vice president uh, being the patriotic man with a, with a son in the military like he had. Um, I highly doubt that he really believes that. And I think that what he's doing he, is he's towing the party line. And he's, he's uh, doing what he thinks his donors and his, uh, the people that are signing his paycheck uh are expecting him to do and um I think if you were to sit down with him face to face I think you'd have an issue saying that right face to face
0: all right that was Clint Lorance on um, with our buddy Pete Hegseth we have followed Clint lawrence's case now for 6 years we have now followed this case of this grave injustice and thanks to the president uh we now have he has granted pardons Uh, and restored the the rank to Navy SEAL Eddie Gallagher. But he signed full pardons for Army First Lieutenant Clint Lawrence and Army Major Matthew Goldstein and directed promotion to Special Warfare Operator First Class Eddie Gallagher, which we interviewed Eddie before. And I got to tell you, this is a case I cannot believe we have gotten to this point where we have people in air-conditioned offices now second-guessing what our brave men and women when they have to make a life and death decision for themselves and their platoon members. Uh, and if they make the wrong decision, well, they're in trouble. And we end up putting them in jail. And that's basically what happened to Clint Lawrence. This goes back to July of 2012. He's leading men on combat through heavily planted Afghan minefields, risking his life for his country. Anyway, they're moving single file to avoid the IEDs, which are planted all over the place. And then three Afghan men start charging Lawrence's men on a motorcycle on a road that's controlled by the Taliban, ignoring signs that they were supposed to stay off the road. And uh, he asked to his platoon leader, maybe he has five seconds to make the decision. What do I do here? Do I save my guys? Now, here's an interesting side note to all of this is that that very platoon had been ambushed. By these motorcycle IED guys, what was it, two weeks prior? Yep. And they lost the platoon leader, didn't they not? And, lo- and others were injured. Right. Correct? Right. So the, these guys are coming right at him. Anyway, so he goes on trial. And how many and by the way Clint Lorance is is with us Army Lieutenant Clint Lawrence, and also as his attorney Don Brown how many years you've been working on this now Don Going on a
2: couple of years now and the legal team's been involved with this for 5 years John Marster of the team we're so grateful for today Sean we really are
0: A big day today it's great to finally meet you You um, too
5: you too Sean I, Have you heard we've been talking about you a little bit were your ears burning at <laughs> absolutely, all Absolutely absolutely and, and and first you know if I can you know I I tried to uh when anybody asks me anything about the last couple of days, the first thing I say is thank you to President Donald Trump and Vice President Mike Pence. And I think that's something that I'll probably do for the rest of my life. Um, they they just saved my life, and I owe them my life. And uh, the men and women of the United States military, uh, they have a real good man in the White House.
0: Well, certainly he's supporting his military. What was very interesting And and you could maybe why don't you walk us through that day because I want people to hear what happened from you. Okay. Um, So first, I'll put a. um, By the way, you're on Twitter live now. (laughs) You know, I hate the stupid camera in my studio, but go ahead,
5: technology. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, What are you going to do with it, right? So uh i'll walk you through it but i'd like you to uh, consider that it's been uh, about 7 years now um so my my memory is kind of faded i've I've, uh, I've sort of you know i think some things have kind of melded together over the years but essentially uh we were on a dismounted foot patrol uh and the reason we were using dismounts uh which is you know for your non-military listeners uh, you're walking um so we were we were foot patrolling uh and um and you're the new platoon leader. I'm the new, yep, I'm the new guy. I've been single there. Single file. Right, single file. I'm the new guy. I've been there uh, about 72 hours by now. So I don't know any of these guys. None of them know me. Um, and, you know, I still, to be honest with you, I can't even remember most of their names. And, you know, th- there's still some people like in, in the Stars documentary that came out that uh, I'm like, who is that? Like, I, I don't know who that is. And it was, how, how long
0: prior to you getting there was the platoon leader killed in a very similar situation you're about to describe? Well, the
5: platoon, the previous platoon leader was not killed, but there there were soldiers that that were unfortunately killed uh, by those uh, animals that were fighting over there, Um, cowards, really. Uh, But uh, the previous platoon leader that I replaced, he he was wounded in action, unfortunately. He's he's doing well these days. Um, But... uh, I can't remember exactly how long it was. it was a few weeks um, that the platoon was out. So, uh, was out there without a platoon leader. And then I so came motorcycles in. are coming at your platoon. yep. so what so what happened was uh, in an overall you know helicopter view, um, so essentially we had um, a group of Taliban who were amassing on our position. And so they had collected in a, a large area up to the north of our position and, uh, they split up from that area and then I ordered, uh, and, and, and mind you, uh, I'm giving these orders to my soldiers who are telling me what they're seeing. I can't see everything, right? Cause it's just the nature of where we're at. And so I can't see anything. I'm hearing all these reports coming out. I'm, I'm hearing reports coming in from the, the, the army attack helicopters that are up, up uh, above the, uh, the, the area. Um, and, um, so I've got all these reports coming in and, um, I know that, you know, the commander's instinct is very important. The commander on the ground is very important. And there's a reason why one guy wears lieutenant bars. There's a reason why one guy is our gal is in charge because they have to make that very difficult decision that nobody else has to make. You legally have to make that decision. The problem is with, you know, when, when, when we have when we don't have President Donald Trump in the White House, we have people who. Uh, will not stand up for our soldiers and will not let our leaders those make are the, the rules of engagement
0: I want to make sure we get this in though so these motorcycle guys are coming at you Right. this is a known tactic that they blow themselves up and they they literally are coming to kill you right all right. You're getting all the reports coming in. You got to make it. How long did you have to make a decision? And what did you say to your troops?
5: Oh, wow. It was a few seconds. Uh, everything was happening. Just, I mean, rapid lightning fast. And, and you know, I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, my God, I just took over. These guys are all young. I'm going to have to write letters and, and talk to their mom and dad. You know, I'm sorry I got your son killed because I made a bad decision. There's just so many things going through your head. And you're sitting there thinking, my God, we're the United States Army. You know, we can't lose. We won't lose. But I don't want to lose my men. I love them. They're they're Americans. They're 18 years old. And and so you're thinking, uh you're thinking all of those things are going through your head, and that's a lot to go through your head at the same time as what tactical decision do I make in terms of how do I respond to the Taliban that's attacking my position? And so I made the best decision that I can make given the the, the uh, conditions on the ground. And I'll tell you this, Sean, I would make the same exact decision again today if I was faced with that decision. Because if I had come home with my soldiers, any of my soldiers, having been killed on my watch, then you know, that, that would have been far worse than living in Fort Leavenworth for six years.
0: So you make the decision, you take these two guys out. When did you know you might be in trouble over this?
5: Well, to be honest with you, I, uh, I had never given any thought to the military justice system. We, you know, it's known as the uniform code of military justice, or as we soldiers call it, kangaroo court. Uh, and so essentially, uh, I never thought about it. I never thought, you know, that my chain of command would Wh- second guess the decision I made. When
0: when did you first find out that they were second
5: guessing? Um, they had uh, my brigade commander uh, essentially uh, made a. It was almost like a predetermined decision made a decision. Uh, he basically decided I was guilty before even talking to me. Wow. Uh, and and, and in the military in the Army, especially in, in the combat arms part of the Army, when a brigade commander, when a senior officer makes a decision about something, he doesn't even have to say anything. He can have a frown on his face when he's talking about it. And all the rest of the butt-kissing officers that are... Uh, underneath him are going to follow his lead that's how just ma- the way it is how
0: many days after this w- did you realize holy that th- i'm now being i'm being put on trial for making a split second decision
5: well uh, i'd the- say maybe uh, a couple of months uh, it started to build up. Yeah. Well, and then what was interesting about your case, because then you got sentenced how many years in jail, 20? 20... Uh, initially, it was 20. Then the uh, it, and sort of a joke, uh, the the convening authority reduced it uh, by one year to 19 years. And so, how many years in Leavenworth did you spend?
0: Six years and about a couple of months. And we then found out later, because they were trying to say, "Cars," I guess, under the Obama administration, they, they were trying to say that you had killed innocent farmers. That was what they right. had said at the time. Yeah. But then, when new information came back uh, that they had biometric evidence, that they apparently withheld this evidence, which is exculpatory for you, that in fact tied the guys that you did kill right. to planting IEDs. Didn't they find their DNA on IEDs and they were able to definitively say that's the DNA of these right. guys on these IEDs? Right. Well, that should have freed you immediately. Why didn't that happen? Let me ask you a lawyer on this. Our,
2: uh, Sean, thanks for the question. The uh, Army dug in deeper. They dug in deeper to protect the system. They dug in deeper at multiple levels. The United States government has never denied that these were Taliban bomb makers. They, their position was, well, Clint had no way of knowing it. Well, nobody has any way of knowing what a, a farmer is with a weapon over there. They dug themselves in to protect a corrupted system, and to this day have not apologized for it. As soon as this evidence came forward, they should have let Clint out of prison. They hid it initially from the initial defense team, which is why we got a corruption That's problem.
0: withholding exculpatory evidence. That's six years of this guy's life now. Right. The, uh, uh, been wasted in jail, not not wasted, but you know what I mean. That he had to live in prison. U- U.S. Supreme Court Brady versus Maryland. They got to turn
2: that over initially. That denied the, his Fifth Amendment right.
0: That's the Brady law that our friend Sidney Powell often speaks of on the shows representing exactly. General Flynn. So, does he have any legal recourse here?
2: Do you. have... The- at this point, we still haven't gotten a, a, an official notification. The defense team is not from the Department of the Army as to the status of his discharge. He's been legally pardoned. There's no crime at all. We're still looking into the issue. No, of the I'm looking discharge. about who you can sue.
0: <laughs> I want to know. You know what legal recourse he has to get recovery for the six years of his life that was stolen from him when they withheld exculpatory
5: evidence. I well, hear. If I, can I, hear I interject something there, uh, Don? Yeah, yeah. Just don't, uh, yeah. I, go ahead. I, I, I know. I you know I, I get uh, these these looks from my lawyers all the time. <laughs> I, first of all, I have an amazing legal team. There's 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 just there's so many of them. Mr. Brown here is a, is a lead with with Colonel Meyer at, they're they're amazing. But I'll say this. If if given that you ask, you know, who you could sue, um, I don't want to sue anybody. And I'm Oh no, 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 no. Don't ever say those uh, words. Well, no. Well, 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 let me just say this, Sean. Let me explain myself. I'm not gonna sue the United States government as long as President Donald Trump is in charge of it. But I'll say this. You're not suing, what I'm gonna You're not do, suing
0: Donald Trump. Let me but, tell you something. You're suing the people that stole six years of your life by withholding exculpatory evidence. That's who deserve, they need to be held accountable.
5: Right. I absolutely agree. And we're going to hold them hold them accountable by reforming the military justice system so it doesn't ever happen to anybody else. We cannot let this happen to anybody else.
0: What is his legal recourse, counsel? Don't let him say the words, I'm not going to sue. Uh,
2: well, his legal recourse is his legal team's going to have to discuss that. But, uh, you know, you're correct. Somebody made decisions up the chain of Command to deny Clint not only his constitutional rights, but take away six years of his life. Uh, this prosecution should have never taken place to begin with. There are some things that active duty can and cannot do because of the fairest doctrines and How other did stuff. they
0: get to this conclusion, though? You know, he's got five, se- three seconds to decide. He knows the situation that he just immersed himself in in 72 hours. How did they get to second guess that anyway?
2: They were hacked off because they wanted to get him for violating Obama's rules of engagement under what I call the battlefield lawyer rule. In other words, he has to wait until his men get blown up or shot before he can fight back. You know, you have to, they, they're the hostile. That's insanity. Intent. Right. So they want to make an example of him. And by the way, they lost on. That's how that. Americans
0: die in war. When I'm prepared. Yeah. To send our brave. We're going to ask them to go fight. Don't put handcuffs on them and let them fight and win. Three. That's time, it.
2: Three times as many Americans died under President Obama than President Trump in Afghanistan. And the reason
0: is because of suicidal rules of engagement that put the lives of the Taliban over the That's lives nuts. of Americans. Well, they, if, if if we have to wait to get shot at first in that environment, then we don't we don't belong sending our sons and daughters there, period. Uh Welcome home, sir. It's great to have you back. Thank you, sir. Uh, You got a great team of lawyers here. I I know you got to meet Linda and Lauren and the whole team down there at Leavenworth. Thank God you're home, and I wish you only the best for your life. Thank,
2: thank you, Sean. We and I, thank I, would you. Sue,
0: I would sue the living crap right. out of all of them. Don't cut us off
2: till we thank you for what you've done, Sean. We yeah. appreciate it. We've Linda. talked
0: about this case for six years. Yeah, but you're, yeah. You, we couldn't do it without you. Well, God bless it should never have happened, and, and there are other people, too. We're going to fix it, Sean. We're going to fix it. All right. God bless you. Thank you for joining us, yes, and uh, we're well, so glad you're free. Yes, sir. Quick break. Right back. That's gonna wrap things up for today. All right, more on the media, the Democrat, extremists, radicals in Congress, and where this all goes. Uh, also, wow, Bill Barr was unbelievable this weekend. Well, have full coverage of all of that. We have Mike Huckabee, we have Dan Bongino tonight, Greg Jarrett, uh, Kimberly Strassel, Jason Chapitz, Newt Gingrich tonight. I don't know what Kanye said to Lawrence Jones about me, but I guess I'll find out at some point. Uh, That and more. Hannity, 9 Eastern, Fox News. We'll see you tonight. Back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us.